Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Footballers DFS podcast with your hosts Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in Friday, January 27th, here on the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. I'm your host Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined as always by Matthew, no longer big tuna, you'll be big haircut bets. It's been a great day so far. I got a haircut this morning, and you know sometimes it goes well where you're like really thrilled with your haircut, and there's other times where you walk out and you're like, I look so awkward right now. This is in the first scenario. I'm looking. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, Kyle. I'm looking good. I'm feeling good. Uh, we got the Eagles game on Sunday, so my heart rate is slowly getting faster and faster and faster as the days go by, as the hours go by. But I'm excited, man. This is the last kind of quote unquote main slate. I mean, it's two games, but main slate of the year. Lots of different angles on this one. Lots of uh, nasty boys that we can play here for the 3K range. Go ahead and hit that drop, please. Thank you very much. Um, So it's going to be a wild slate, man. I'm excited to break it down. How are you doing today? I'm just glad that you decided to show up to this podcast dressed for success. Yeah, you look look good in a good haircut. I'm wearing a beanie, so I'm taking an opposite approach. But I did say... (laughs) Same as the live stream? (laughs) Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. But can I quote myself? What do you? What is that called when you quote yourself? Just, just uh, very like. Does that have a name? I don't know, but it's it's definitely a little too much. I'm going to quote myself that I am so excited about the slate that I am going to quote unload the clip and let's just say <laughs> go full, uh, just empty the bank account this weekend, right? Are you going to go 150? Uh, so I, we have a question later on that what kind of at this point of the season, how do you play? Uh, I know I'm going to do a couple of 20 maxes because I want to take what I think I have an advantage over the field and how I'm constructing my rosters. We have two games. That's it. That's all we're talking about is two games. And with these two games, there are opportunity costs every single time you click the button for any single player. So we'll talk about that. But I'm stoked. 
I feel like I have a pretty good read, which just means what? I'm, You're going to get buried. <laughs> I'm going to get destroyed <laughs> on this slate. But I love playoffs. I love talking playoff DFS. We are so glad that you are with us. So we'll preview these two games, talk about some props we like, and even jump into the mailbag. If you want to get all of our picks, you can get them at DFSPass.com. It is free. We've been saying that the last couple weeks for the playoffs. It's still free. So you still have this thing for a couple more weeks as we go through the Super Bowl where we get to give you and I fire off way more props on the Super Bowl. We spend an entire show next week previewing the game, talking about the best and the worst props. So people like doing the coin flip bet. Don't do it. Just lighting your money on fire. But, but also tails never fails. Yes, but <laughs> there are some kicking props that if people got in on last year and they rode with the entire footballer's family, I mean, that was pretty good, including the opening kickoff to be a touchback. I mean, we, we killed that. <laughs> that game is so fun to talk about because not only is it the most talked about game of the year for obvious reasons, but we have two weeks to do it. So, you know, we get in the weeds when we have like four, five, six days to prepare for a slate and we have two weeks to prepare for one game. Like last year, Kyle is, is dead, dead accurate. I was researching like how often players were kicking into the end zone for a touchback for props. I mean, it's it's the Wild Wild West and you can bet on literally anything in the game. So it's super fun. We do a couple of, you know, the exotic ones like uh, the, the national anthem is always fun to bet on and other stuff like that. But we'll talk about player props, showdown, how you play the game. All sorts of good stuff, and we're not going to preview it on just one show. Like you talked about, we're going to do the whole preview next week, early props, and then we'll really get down to showdown and how you play that in the uh, the week after leading up to the Super Bowl. So fun couple weeks. I really hope my Eagles are playing in it. Let's just let's just say that. I hope so too, and we'll talk about that game uh, where it could go wrong for the Eagles. And I just want to say, last year, the Su- I have such fond memories of watching the Super Bowl here in Arizona with everyone here, and. I feel like the game script, T. Higgins was like our premier play. Dude went for two touchdowns. So it was a great time. This year, the uh, the footballers, Andy, Mike, and Jason, will be at the game in Arizona. So it uh, gives you another reason to bet on which one of the three of them will uh, go on the field streaking. And uh, <laughs> that's really clear. There's a clear favorite. What I was going to say, I think odd- we know who that is. Would you put Jason at like minus, I don't know, 450 or something? Yeah, the, the first number that came in my head was minus 350. So we're thinking the same thing. Okay, yeah, you got to get huge odds. I mean, what, what would it take for you to, to, to bet on Andy to do that? There's not a chance. He ha- There's no way it's happening. I wouldn't even waste my money on it. Big shim is, is the lock. Now, if if Jeremy, our, one of our producers, if he was in on it, I mean, easy odds, because Jeremy will pretty much do anything for a little bit of money. So <laughs> Jeremy would totally be taking this close. But uh, DFSPass.com, it's free if you want to get that and get all of our content. Let's talk about these games. Stack attack. Let's talk about also our preferred way to play this slate, like where we're spending our money on DraftKings and FanDuel, because I'm not really playing any cash. I'll do some cash in Super Bowl just because it's fun and because there's so much more action on it. But I'm at the point now where you get one player wrong, you are buried. You know, and so with cash, I'm not really interested in that. I'm interested in, like I mentioned earlier, like a 20 max. Uh, but how are you playing this slate? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm not going to play any cash. Just two games, like you said. There's not much of an edge in my opinion. But I think there is a decent edge in terms of building a portfolio of GPP lineups. So normally I'm a single max or a single entry kind of guy. I'm going to probably go more 20 max on this slate, like I did last week. 
And last year in the playoffs, I ran a bunch of 150s. That's not necessarily my bread and butter, so it's not a strength of mine. But the bottom line is I think Kyle and I both want to kind of get across is the smaller the slate, so two games, there's so much more variance. You know, normally we're not excited to talk about random dart throws like Quez Watkins, for example, who we will talk about today. But like on a two-game slate, anything goes. And if you kind of have a portfolio of lineups and you kind of build smartly to you know lock in on a couple of the high-ceiling guys, but then find those diamonds in the rough, that's how you want on a slate like this. And there's so much more randomness to it. So I want to embrace that randomness. No cash for me. I'm going to play some large field stuff, uh, play a bunch of 20 max, really kind of get off the board this week. Yeah, I stared down some Quez Watkins. You know, he went two for 117 against these 49ers two years ago. So... That doesn't really help us that much because <laughs> I care <laughs> I about say, what so he's that doing. That means now. nothing. <laughs> it means nothing. But I was like, "Oh man, that, that's Quez Watkins, though. Like you're going to get one big play. Players like Juwan Jennings come into play. Yeah, right. we'll talk about these. Noah Gray. I there's just players that could work in the optimal lineup, and by having a pretty big exposure, 20 max. If you want to do 150, go for it. Uh, it's a super fun time to do it. But we're just going to be talking about two games, and the last thing I want to say is. We've mentioned it, late swap. If you're playing in tournaments and you're not utilizing late swap, uh, I don't know what you're doing because you're getting a ton of information ahead of time of what the field has done, especially at certain positions. Like, oh, everybody played you know, in the early game CMC and he failed, and so how can you adjust? So make sure you utilize late swap in the afternoon window and understand that we give you a lot of the information ahead of time. We give you the answers to the test with our roster percentage report in the DFS pass. So. Uh, We'll probably mention a couple of those of just like, hey, this is what I think I'm seeing at the quarterback position. You know, here's who's more popular. Here's some ways to gain some leverage. So you got to think about all those things. The first game we're going to talk about, though, is San Francisco 49ers at the Philadelphia Eagles. This line is Philadelphia minus two and a half, and it's been steady, right? This has been the line the whole week, and the over-under is at 46 and a half. The craziest thing is these are the two best defenses, not just here, but arguably in the league. Like these were the two best ones uh, from a yards per game perspective and in expected points per pass attempt. So you could look at this game and say it's going to be sluggish, but there are so many offensive weapons for both teams that you could see this clearly hitting the over. So do you have a certain lean based on what these teams have done and how they match up of the, of the Vegas line before we go further? Yeah, my first lean on the game is I actually took the Eagles when it was minus one and a half and then minus two, minus two and a half. And then you said it, it did kind of stick there. I think if we see any threes or three and a half, like people are going to jump on San Francisco. So I do think it's going to be a very close game. I also lean towards the under. Like I kind of have this vibe in my head of maybe it's kind of similar to what happened last week with Dallas where you see this 21-17 or 24-17 type of game. Um, so that's kind of where I'm leaning. Now, that doesn't mean we don't want exposure to the game. Obviously, you have to on a two-game slate. But what I kind of think about with how these teams match up, the Eagles have been so good at game planning for their opponents, meaning when they're facing a terrible run defense, and I think back to that Green Bay game in primetime, they just ran all over them. Green Bay couldn't stop the run. They just said, okay, let's keep going. We've seen it uh, you know, with other matchups as well. Then they did the exact opposite the, the next week. Remember the game against the Titans? They just said, okay, Jalen Hurts, let's just make you a pocket passer. These corners can't match up with A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. So let's just throw every play. That's what they did. So they can morph to whatever the defense is weakest at. Now, San Francisco is good, period, across the board. But if they have a weakness relative to their run defense, it's their pass defense. And I think when you think about the way that the Eagles are most likely to operate, it's not going to be jamming 
20 carries to Miles Sanders up the middle. It's going to be trying to get their guys on the edge and in space, specifically down the field with perimeter wide receivers. So my early lean is to say I really want to lean into Jalen Hurts' stacks, which means we love A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith on the slate. I'm going to be right behind you because I, I, I would say Jalen Hurts is easily my favorite quarterback. Uh, on DraftKings, he is. On, on FanDuel, he's more expensive than the rest of the field, so you do have to make a decision. But on DraftKings, he's my favorite quarterback by far. I think both of these teams, like same thing with the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan can kind of game plan and say, where's this team weak? Is this a, uh, a Debo Samuel game? Is this a George Kittle game? Like we've seen those where they just figured out. It kind of comes down to what Christian McCaffrey we're going to get. Like a banged up version of Christian McCaffrey makes them kind of morph more into a offense that has to figure out different ways. Um, the Eagles are also interesting because you can look at their rush statistics and say, this is a spot that you can, you know, exploit them. Uh, they rank 22nd in adjusted line yards. Uh, there's there's just ways for San Francisco to say we want to run the ball, but this Philly defense looks a little different with Jordan Davis in there and Dominican Sue. Like, this is a different team probably of what, the last two months? Yeah, like going back to week 11, which is when they signed Linval Joseph and Dominican Sue. Remember for like a month straight, everyone was just saying like, play your running backs against the Eagles. You can run on the Eagles. And that was their weakness, but like any good team self-scouts and they say oh we're getting killed up the middle let's sign two huge dudes to play d-tackle until jordan davis returns now those guys are all healthy since they signed those guys eagles are number one in the league in terms of the rate of carries that go for a first down or a touchdown and when any of those guys are on the field whether it's limbaugh joseph and dominican sue or jordan davis they're allowing less than four yards per carry so this defense if you look at the season long metrics is going to lead you in, in the wrong direction you're going to think okay san francisco is just going to gash them over and over and over again and granted, they could because their scheme is so good. But the numbers say this Philly run defense has been better than their season-long metrics suggest. So, And you look at the other thing too, right? Like both running backs are banged up, not just CMC with a calf injury. Um, Eli Mitchell was a DNP both days this week, Wednesday and Thursday, due to his groin issue. So there's a lot of moving parts here with that running back in the backfield that because of those two things, I think we could see some more uh, manufactured touches for Debo in this spot. Yeah, that's my early lean is to be overweight on Debo because the two weaker areas just from a season-long point of view has been, you know, certain parts of the run game that the Eagles haven't been great and then slot-wide receivers. And so Debo kind of fits that mold of like, okay, they can use him Swiss Army Knife style wherever they want to. If the running backs are banged up, like this this says this can be a Debo Samuel game. I feel like Brandon Ayuk might get left out of people's minds just because you know, with Debo back in the lineup, it's not been as great. So uh, I don't mind that. I just wonder if this is the week where the shoe drops for Brock Purdy. I was off last week. I think I said if he hurts, if he you know beats me, beats me. He did not beat me. Narrator said. Um, and <laughs> I wish I had that luck. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I I'd say I'm, that. It's it's I'm one for one. I'm shooting my shot. But it really comes down to can Brock Purdy perform under pressure and if the 49ers can run the ball, if he's not under pressure, if they have play-action pass working, then I think they have a chance. But it's kind of an uphill battle for Purdy against pressure. Like, I would say my chips are I'm going to bet against him again on the road against arguably the league's best defense and just say Debo is the main cog of the 49ers offense. Yeah, and to your point with like the pressure thing, I mean, predictably, as the weeks go by in the postseason, you're going to see better and better defenses. And we kind of saw it last week with Dallas, who's been among the league leaders in pressure rate all year. 
they really did kind of give Purdy some fits. Now they overcame it. You know, it's a good team, so they can scheme around it. But he didn't have his you know blow up game in the wild card round like he did against the Seahawks because of the pressure. What's different about the Eagles versus the Cowboys is that yes, the Cowboys generate more pressure relatively speaking. But when you look at those two defenses, who actually converts them into sacks? It's been the Eagles that have been number one in the league in terms of converting pressure into sacks. They just set a franchise record this year for the most sacks ever. Um, so I think that is an angle that we can play here. And, and you say, like, look, if, if Purdy does struggle, then you're probably not bringing along three 49ers even on a short slate, right? You're probably only bringing along one or two. So that's kind of my early lean. The other angle with Purdy is just that, you know, looking at this team's recent stretch and again not taking anything away from what this team has done they've been awesome and they've been so good at building their offense to fit this rookie quarterback but like thinking back their last couple games you know versus the seahawks versus the cowboys versus the cardinals they traveled to las vegas at home against the commanders they traveled to seattle they haven't really had to do a cross-country sort of trip and west coast east coast it's a pretty dang far flight. And now you throw that into the factor of a, a good defense that can generate pressure and sack you in a very tough environment to play. So I think, you know, if you're playing 150, you should have some pretty exposure. But if you're playing 20 max, you're playing three three uh, entry, single entry type of stuff. Like, I'd just be surprised if Purdy is the key that you need when the other quarterbacks on the slate are named Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, so Brock Purdy, 5,300 on DraftKings. That is tempting to say, hey, I'm going to get different. But when you start constructing your lineup, and you and I were talking about this earlier today, like it is not easy because you start to ask yourself, okay, well, I'll save here. And then, yeah, maybe you want to spend up for Kelsey or Jamar Chase or you want to spend up for CMC. Like You can make that work, but are you sacrificing raw points? Like If you look at Brock Purdy, he's 3X'd twice this year on his salary. So 3X'ing here would be you know, 15, 16 points, something like that. If Brock Purdy gets you 18 points, you might be happy in a meeting outcome. Do you think that can compete with Burrow, Hurts, and Mahomes? Would you just bet against, like, okay, if I got 19 points, 18, 19 points, like, I just don't know if that's enough. Yeah, I'm going to bet against it. And the reason that you would play Purdy is just because then you can jam in a couple more of the studs. It's very tough to fit even three. I mean, it's it's you can fit two somewhat comfortably, but you can't really fit like the top guys, CMC, Travis Kelsey, um, AJ Brown or Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase. It's very hard to fit three of those guys. The way that you can jam them in is Brock Purdy. And I think some of the field will do that. But like I said, I just, I, I find it tough to see the ceiling outcome for, uh, for Purdy. And when you think of the fact that CMC is banged up, you know, Travis Kelsey is very expensive for good reason, but very expensive. I, to me, that's not the way I want to build on the slate. Brandon Ayuk was 5K last week, and it stood out to me. Now he's at 4,400. That is quite cheap for a player that we would say is talented that could easily get like four or five catches. And at 4,400, like if Brandon Ayuk went four for 40 in a score, you'd be super happy with that. And on such a small slate, that's kind of what we're at. Like, okay, who's cheap, who fits builds, and who's going to end up with the touchdown? So... Him or Juwan Jennings could easily end up in the red zone as the dudes, but it's just easier from a projection standpoint to say, hey, Debo is going to get some carries. He's also ridiculously cheap compared to last year. Last year, when this team was in the conference championship game, he was $7,200. Okay, so you're getting Debo a lot cheaper. It's pretty wild. Um, and the last thing, Kittle. Kittle is $2,600 cheaper than Kelsey on DraftKings. 
that is something that you could say like, okay, well, I'm getting a lot of value here. Do you feel like Kittle is somebody that you're can play alongside Kelsey? Cause I mean, we're, we're over the moon for Kelsey, obviously. Or is Kittle one of those guys that's like, Hey, like he's kind of in no man's land and there are games where he's just, you know, not a part of it. Philadelphia's allowed three tight end receiving touchdowns in the year. They limit big plays. Like is, is Kittle somebody that's out of your player pool or like, I'm just going to have low exposure. Yeah. I'm going to have some because I'm going to play so many lineups and I'm going to have that kind of MME mentality that I'll have some Kittle, but I'll be relatively speaking underweight the field. You know, matchups are important in, in football across the year, but when you think about just on a two-game slate, they're not as important. The thing that's tricky with Kittle and the reason that I bring that matchup thing up is just because, like, when you look at the wide receivers he's priced around, you know, he's 5200 on DraftKings. Like, I love T. Higgins for $200 more. Um, Debo Samuel for $300 more. Like, I just feel like it's more likely that those guys crack the optimal than George Kittle because we've just seen the highs and the lows. That said, last week was the perfect example. No one played him, and he was a, a key piece, especially if you played like the two-game slate. You really did need George Kittle. So, yeah, he's a guy that can break a long play. We know the upside, but again, the splits kind of with Debo, CMC on the lineup generally have been pretty poor uh, for George Kittle. And like we've said, if we're kind of down on just the Purdy outlook here, um, it, it's tough to see, again, a lot of these guys getting in the, the optimal lineup. Yeah, and that's where you'd play him. You'd play Kittle with Purdy in a stack, add another piece. Like, if you wanted to do... To get really contrarian to start off, Purdy, CMC, Kittle, and then go chalk elsewhere. I think you'd do fine in a tournament if they get there just because the roster percentages are lower. Kittle has the highest QB rating when targeted in the league, 139.2. So we're not knocking our boy Kittle. Uh, he's awesome. It's just on this slate, when you have somebody like Travis Kelsey, it's, uh, it's a different story. So let's go to the Eagles side. And I'm with you. I... Love Jalen Hurts stacks this week. I think that they will come out and say, you know what, we're just going to throw the ball. It's what we do best. It's kind of been their secret sauce. I, you know, this is a balanced team, team that can run the ball. They're first in EPA per rush this year. But their sauce is let's come out and let's throw the ball. And on our first possession, let's make sure that they respect the deep ball. So I think you can pick either of those two dudes. Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown, I have a certain lean. But, I mean, they're 1A and 1B. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I said this on the pod, I think uh, maybe three, four or five weeks ago, something like that. It was whenever Gardner Minshew was um, was taking over for the injured Jalen Hurts. I said, this wide receiver duo is probably the best in the league. And Devonta Smith might be the best wide receiver, too, in the league. People said, hey, Betts, don't forget about T. Higgins. Devonta Smith has been better than A.J. Brown from a earning target standpoint, from a production standpoint, 33% target share over the last month of the season. And we see the field always, always, always be more confident in A.J. Brown. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I think A.J. Brown's a phenomenal play on the slate. But if people are willing to just say, okay, like I'd rather play A.J. Brown for $200 more, I'm happy to have exposure to both these guys. Um, but again, it's more of a leverage thing. It's more of a roster percentage thing that if Devonta Smith comes under rostered relative to how good he's been, I'm happy to click the button on him. I mean, his last seven games, 661 touchdowns, 767, 9, 115, 8, 113, and 2. 5126, 564 and a score, 5102 and a touchdown. He's been awesome. So, yeah, I love both these guys. But like I said, if the field is off of uh, Devonta Smith relative to AJ Brown, uh, I'm happy to go there. Yeah, on FanDuel, I think the strategy is going to be uh, Devonta Smith's $300 cheaper. I think he's going to carry a higher roster percentage. Both of these guys are going to be 35 plus percent 
because of how small the field is. But uh, yeah, I like them both, and I think it's really clean with Jalen Hurts. You can stack, pick one of them. Will you be playing both of them in the same lineup with Hurts? Because it's starting to get cost prohibitive that way. So I thought about it a couple times, and my first in- inclination was to say yes, because it's going to be, I think, contrarian, relatively speaking. Like, There's going to have a, a lot of lineups that are Hurts plus one of these guys. And then if you do that, you know, if you play just one, you can also play one of Kelsey or, T- or uh, Jamar Chase, who are incredible plays. But when you play both these guys, it's hard to fit Kelsey and Chase. And so I think just from a roster construction standpoint, it might be a little bit unique, even though it's so obvious. It's like, okay, playing with his best playmakers. But um, if, if the field is not going to do it, I am very interested in doing it. The way that you have to do that, though, is you have to get nasty <laughs> at running back. And yeah, please. <laughs> you have to get nasty running back and you have to play guys like maybe Elijah Mitchell if he's healthy or Samaji Piran, who we'll talk about in a second, who I think is actually very viable on this small slate. So you do have to compromise elsewhere. But if Jalen Hurts goes for, you know, 275 and three scores and each of these guys catch a touchdown, that could definitely get there. So I kind of want to lean into it a little bit. Devonta Smith, this is something I was looking at in my research. He's correlated pretty negatively with Miles Sanders. Their correlation coefficient is negative 0.5. So in other words, uh, I know those are two players that I just, I'm picking the game flow. I'm picking the script and saying, okay, here's where the touchdowns go. But I think Miles Sanders is a fine play. I just wish he got more passing work. I just wish that I could say, Okay, here's here's from a projectable volume standpoint. I'm not going to get, you know, 16 carries and one target is not going to compete with other players on this slate. Like, we're going to talk about Piran. You mentioned, like, he saw seven targets when he played the Chiefs earlier this year. Granted, Mixon was out. But, like, if you knew the Bengals running backs were going to see eight, nine targets, that is considerably different than comparing to Miles Sanders, who... It's going up against the league's best rush defense. So keep that in mind when you're building like the combinations and what you're doing. I have no idea what they're doing at running back, by the way. Like last week, Kenneth Gainwell led the team in rushing yards. Boston Scott had an early touchdown. Sanders went 17 for 90. And their snaps were all around the 35% mark. So can you have confidence or is it just guessing like who's getting the touchdown? Well, what's tricky with Miles Sanders is if you just look at the box score from last week, you're going to miss out on the fact that it, the game was over halfway through the second quarter. Right. And that's when his touches really started going down. But in the first quarter and the first half, Miles Sanders was getting the lion's share of the touches. He did get vultured by Boston Scott. That's always a concern. And Jalen Hurts is always a concern for a rushing score at the goal line. And that's how it goes wrong for Miles Sanders most weeks is, you know, he has a good game on the ground, like 16 for 85. Like That's a productive game from an NFL standpoint that really helps his team. But if he's not catching passes, that's 8.5 points. In, in fantasy that doesn't help us at all right so he needs a touchdown he needs to have a good game on the ground and get volume and like you said that is a concern especially because as i mentioned at the top i think we're going to see a ton of passing attempts from jalen hurts i really think they're going to pick on the secondary of san francisco instead of just trying to jam it up the middle with sanders so i'll have some exposure again across a huge portfolio of lineups but if i'm playing single entry uh, miles sanders does not make the cut for me this week yeah i think the Eagles side, like I was writing up stacking options. It's like Hertz, pick one of the wide receivers, and then I'm still on Dallas Goddard. It's surprising when you look at what his salary is on DraftKings at 4100 I mean, he's priced up on Fandle, 6400 He's right there with Kittle. But 4100 when you think about that as just like a flex player, like that is ridiculously cheap when you're saying Dallas Goddard has to compete with 
Tyler Boyd, uh, Kadarius Tony, MVS, like he has a better projectable meeting outcome than those guys. And we know that he's involved in the red zone. So to me, it's a Jalen Hurts double stack. And then Debo is the best option on the other side to bring it back. Yes, I'm with you. And just to speak to the tight end as a whole in general, like, yeah, Hayden Hurst projects better than some of those guys in that range. So I think you're going to see a lot of Kelsey plus Goddard or Hurst or Hurst and Goddard. So across the board, we're going to see a ton of roster percentage on these tight ends. So just thinking about the way the field is building, and I'm not saying that's wrong. I think if you're playing cash, that's probably right. But if you're thinking about the way the field is going to build, and you can get different if just you're not playing two tight ends. I think we're going to see a ton of that this week. Yeah, we always preach the best thing in a tournament is finding the wide receiver in the flex that can get there. And on this slate, there are about three heavy hitters that just are above the rest in terms of pricing, like Chase, Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown. I think you can fit in two of those in your lineup, but it's kind of figuring out who are the other two dudes. You know, it's, it's really hard if you're doing Chase, Brown, Debo. Can you fit Kelsey in there too? It's just there's one of those guys that feel like it's going to be left out. So maybe later on I'm going to put you to the test and say, okay, we're going to have exposure to all these guys, but like what combination? Because I feel like Chase, Brown, Smith, Debo, Kelsey, I want three of those guys in my lineup. Yeah, they're they're the key. If you hit on the right spin-up options, I think you're going to have a really good weekend. And if you miss, then, well, on to the Super Bowl. <laughs> That just means that it's going to be a Quez Watkins, Justin Watson, Trenton Irwin weekend. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Do you have a certain lean on this game? You said you already took Philly minus one and a half. I took it, yeah, right when it came out on Sunday night. And I also think the under is in play, under 46 and a half. I'd take Philly minus two and a half. I think, like you mentioned, once it gets, if it gets up to three or three and a half, uh, no thanks. But yeah, they're at home. I think they can do it. I And I my early lean is to say I'm going to build as if Brock Purdy is not going to come through in the same way. And it doesn't mean the pass catching options won't get there. Uh, it's still possible. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get back to the next game. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So apparently there's another game to be played after that, and it's one of those that... The people love. The people love this game. Cincinnati Bengals at the Kansas City Chiefs. The line's gone back and forth about a million times. Cincinnati minus one. I could see it being a pick to be honest. It kind of just depends on what footage do we get of Patrick Mahomes practicing. And then the public's like, all right, here's what I'm going to do uh, with my money. I'm just going to base it off of this video. Uh, my question is the over-under. 
It's 47 and a half. And that is very different than what it was last year. These two teams played and it was above 50 and their other games all hit above 50. So what does that tell you about this year's version of Bengals chiefs, as opposed to the other ones, which like I mentioned, all went above 50. Yeah. I mean, these teams have been awesome, obviously. Uh, but when you look at their regular season betting trends, the Bengals were just 38% to the over and the chiefs were 47% of the over. So if flipping a coin, there's a good chance this game goes under based off of how they performed this year. Of course, when you have teams like this that pass at, at the insane rates that they do, the over is always in play. But um, yeah, I wasn't really that surprised to see it below 50. I think this is probably a pretty efficient line given the trends that we've seen throughout the regular season. Yeah, when I was writing this up, uh, in terms of game pace, I gave this a 4 out of 5, which is higher than the other game. And I really came down to thinking, like, I think the public is just sharper now than maybe in the past when they've seen 50-point games just betting the over blindly, just thinking it's going to be a bonanza. Like, we've talked all year. The Chiefs have not been able to cover all year long, and it's a pretty close game. Um, If Patrick Mahomes was healthy, what do you think the line would be? Like, fully healthy. I mean, yeah, on Sunday night, I was looking real quick, and I think I saw it at KC. It might have been minus one or a pick like you said, and then just, like, immediately with the ankle issue, it got all the way out to... Uh, the Bengals as road favorites minus two and a half. And then I said, okay, let's put this in a teaser. Let's get the chiefs up to eight and a half. So I have that currently going in, uh, in one of my bets, but yeah, I was very surprised to see that line movement that far. Um, so yeah, if, if Pat Mahomes didn't have the ankle issue, if that never happened uh, last week, I think we would see KC minus one and a half or maybe KC minus two, minus two and a half, something like that. Yeah. And I also think if Tyreek was a part of this game, you know, the, the Chiefs that we have before. I feel like the public doesn't have as much confidence in these pass-catching options outside of Travis Kelsey. It's a different kind of offense. I think the total would be above 50 as well. But, um, hey, we get a great game in front of us. The public, I feel like, loves Cincinnati, and partly because they haven't lost since Halloween. Like, that's the last time. It was Halloween night against the Browns. They won 10 straight. It's a big deal. This team ranked second in pass rate over expectation, fourth in expected points per play, and fourth in points scored since then. So we kind of know we get with the Bengals. We've been talking about them for weeks, pass rate over expectation. Last week, though, Zach Taylor said, not so fast, my friend, uh, in in Lee Corso style. And he said, we're going to run the ball. And they were actually pretty effective running the ball against the Bills. And I think that surprised some people, surprised me, uh, was that a weather thing, or is that like, hey, that's something that they can build on? And Joe Mixon was like running the ball, getting chunk gains. Like he was good last week. Um, is that something we need to keep in mind so we don't just say, hey, Bengals passing game, that's it? Well, I think it was probably a couple of factors. One is the offensive line injuries leading into the week. Um, if you, you know, if you took the approach and said like, hey, like the the offensive line is a concern from a pass protection standpoint, let's soften up the Bills run. Uh, pass defense by running the ball that's one angle you could play it was also snowing so maybe some weather played into it a little bit uh but we have a decent enough sample that not only do the Bengals want to throw the ball but opponents against the chiefs are wanting to and have to throw the ball opponents against kansas city this year are um are throwing at the second highest rate in the league so it matches up again to kind of a a pretty pass heavy game plan from joe burrow not that they won't run the ball if the opportunity is there. It's just that, you know, most likely outcome is Joe Mixon is getting 
12 to 15 carries and adding some receiving work versus saying like, okay, here's 25 carries for Joe Mixon. I'd be surprised if we see that. I'm, I'm interested in how we view this game because Burrow is showing up as much more popular than Mahomes. So the field is saying, Hey, I don't know about the hobbled Mahomes. I'm going to take Burrow. Chase is obviously the best wide receiver on the slate priced up, but no one's saying like, Hey, don't play chase. Like everyone's going to be all over him. So, on the Bengals' side, is the only way to get different is to say, hey, I'm just going to take like two pieces, like a Mixon and like a Chase or a Mixon and a Higgins and, and avoid Burrow? Well, the thing with the running backs is no one is going to be contrarian because there's only like six in total that you could really even click the button on. So Mixon's going to be 45 to 55%. Like right now, I have him at, I think, 50 on, on DraftKings. Um, he's going to be played. So you're not going to contrarian at all there. Um, if you're looking at kind of how I think the game is going to go, which is a lot of Joe Burrow passing, my lean is that I want to get exposure to someone else plus Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase is, like you said, the best wide receiver play on the slate. I'm going to eat into the chalk. He's going to be 50, 55%, something like that. I'm fine with it. Uh, I think he's an incredible play. So I'm going to play Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase. Then you ask the question, like, is it T. Higgins? Is it Tyler Boyd? Or is it Hayden Hurst? And I think you can make a case for any of those guys, um, especially price considering. Uh, 3800 for Tyler Boyd is very cheap. 3 k for Hayden Hurst is cheap. It's not like Hayden Hurst, I think, can break the slate, but if he gives you four, five, six targets at 3 k that's better than a lot of the wide receivers. Yeah, I think there's going to be builds that are Kelsey and Hurst, and you're eating into more chalk than what you think. Like, you think you're being contrarian playing two tight ends, but it's really not. So I like Boyd if you want to bring him along with Chase. Uh, I can't argue against Higgins. It just hasn't been there recently as just like a dominant force. Samaje Pirine is a really fun play considering how many routes he's running and the fact that he was really good against this Chiefs team earlier in the year when Mixon was out. But, you know, in our roster percentage report, Samaje Piran is going to be 20, 25%. <laughs> That's because there's no one to play. I know it's <laughs> it's so, like you're not getting cute. Well, but the thing is, you are in a way, right? Because on a two game slate, like right now on DraftKings, I have the leader in terms of where it goes. Is uh, am I looking at the right thing? No, I'm looking at Fanduel. Sorry, one second, please hold. <laughs> I have it right now as uh, Joe Mixon, Christian McCaffrey. That could change with the injury concern issue. Then Jarek McKinnon, then Isaiah Pacheco, then Samaji Piran. So he's right there kind of with like Miles Sanders. So he is kind of a little contrarian, but not that contrarian. It's just because there's six running backs you can play on the slate. Right. But relatively speaking, 20%, depending on what field size you're playing, 20 to 25 seems about right for a guy like Piran. So, you know, you're not going to find a lot of like 10%, 4%, 5% type of plays. 20% might be enough to kind of get you a little bit different in these, you know, two game slates. So could you go overweight on saying, I'm going to go burrow, Pirine Chase, and then because it's such a small slate, if you say, you know what, the other game duds, and I'm going to have a fourth piece from the Bengals side, is that too many to, to go in where you're gaining leverage on everyone else? You're probably playing Kelsey just to say, like, hey, I'm playing Kelsey. I'm overweight on Bengals, and then I may need one piece from the other game. I mean, if the other game does hit the under and fails... Um, I don't think it's crazy. So I, that's a way to definitely get different is I think people, when they play these two game slates, feel like they have to have an equal amount of each game. If, if let's say for example, the 
um, the Eagles game finishes like 17-14 and the touchdowns go to like two backup tight ends or something like that game's going to fail. Like it's obviously not likely, but this is again, a small sample. You want to embrace variance. So I don't think that's crazy on a, on a two game slate personally. I think on the Chiefs side, it's becoming clearer to me. Pacheco, you might say, hey, he's going to get more touches. McKinnon didn't get it last week. Like, in general, an Isaiah Pacheco carry is worth about two and a half times less than a McKinnon target. So, five targets from McKinnon is more than enough for me. Like, I, that's better than, you know, 13, 14, 15 carries from Pacheco. That's all I really care about here. And last week, he was chalk. It didn't work out. I was pretty fortunate to go super underweight and fade Jarek McKinnon. But I think he's kind of the piece, other than Kelsey, that I feel most confident in. He's still going to carry a ton of roster percentage. So, once again, you're not getting cute on such a small slate. But on the other side, I feel like those running backs, it feels clear. Now, Pacheco could easily get a bunny, you know, two-yard touchdown, and and we're back to the same thing. But I'm going to place my chips on McKinnon this week. You're back in on playoff McKinnon. All right. No, I'm with you. And the reason is mostly because of the pass protection type of stuff, right? Like you talk yourself into the story and it's not even really a story. Like Mahomes is limited. Jarek McKinnon was incredible last week in pass protection. So if they do keep going with their pass heavy plan, which we have two plus years of Andy Reid telling us that's what he's going to do with Mahomes, Jarek McKinnon is going to play more than Isaiah Pacheco. Last week, 65% of the snaps for Jarek McKinnon, just 35% for Pacheco. And Pacheco had uh, 12 carries you know, was pretty efficient with his, uh, you know, his carries was able to rip off a couple long plays, but he's kind of like Miles Sanders. If he doesn't score, he's going to give you 12, 13, 14 carries for somewhere in the range of like 60 to 70 yards. And that's not that helpful. Right. So I think what we're saying is a, it's a pretty bad running back slate when you consider McCaffrey's injured, Elijah Mitchell is injured. And two of these guys are one dimensional. So if you get three catches for 40 yards from Jarek McKinnon, and you get 12 carries for 55 yards from Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon is a better play. And I'm going to always lean on these gross slates with the pass-catching running backs, which is why I have some interest in, you know, Samaji Pirine and Jarek McKinnon and guys like that. So I'm with you. I'll be very, very underweight the field, Isaiah Pacheco. And just to give you context, I looked at the conference championship game the last two years on DraftKings, and the running back scores were depressing, like, the highest score in the last two years was Leonard Fournette with 18.4. Um, and then, you know, last year, Mixon was 14.5. Pirine had 13 points. So the optimal last year was if you would have played uh, Mixon and Pirine together. Whoops. Um, and there's other plays that just like Cam Akers was super chalky, six points. You don't need a ton of points. Um, so there is a scenario where you look at these guys and say, okay, Mixon and CMC, they might not separate themselves from the field, but if you're saving salary and you get something like, I don't know, if you got nine points from Jarek McKinnon and Pacheco didn't score a touchdown, I think you'd be happy. I think if you figure out the right Cincinnati running back, you'd be happy if you avoided the 49ers one. If you figure out what to do with Miles Sanders, like there's not many places to go on this slate. So just keep in mind, like we're not looking for someone to 4X on their salary. Like, I'd be very happy with two and a half or three X on a salary. Yeah. And I think the running backs are not going to be the key that wins it for you. I think, like I said, at the top, you're going to have to have the right high ceiling pass catchers. The wide receivers are the key to the slate. And we can include Travis Kelsey in that. And that's why I'm not really that interested in trying to spend up and jam in McCaffrey in every lineup or mix it in every lineup is because I think 
the way that you win the slate is with these high ceiling wide receivers. The public also has given a lot of love on Twitter to your boy Lou, sweet Lou, the defensive coordinator of the Bengals, because they've been awesome over the last eight weeks. This defense is on a roll. They rank third in points per drive, second in play success rate. And you saw last week what they did to Josh Allen, where between blitzing and rushing only four people, like they were just like covering everything perfectly. He called a perfect game, basically. I do want to point this out, though. The Bengals secondary, over the last eight weeks, they've been great. They ranked 28th in explosive pass rate, but they've been fortunate. They ranked fourth in TDs allowed. So they've been giving up big plays, but not giving up big plays that have resulted in touchdowns and red zone touchdowns. That is the Patrick Mahomes special that he can, you know, dink and dunk his way all the way through, figure it out. But in the red zone, he is a monster. So I'm trying to use that information of how dominant the Bengals defense has been and say, this is Patrick Mahomes. This is different. And trying to find some edge with the wide receivers. So help me help you out there by sorting out these wide receivers. Juju. MVS, Kadarius Tony, and dare I say, Justin Watson. What should I do? And you know what? Just for fun, let's let's throw Michael Hardman back into the mix this week. Shall Sky we? Moore, why not? Uh, yeah, I mean, it is such a difficult conversation because if there's anyone out there that knows the answer to the question that we're trying to to answer is which one is it? You're going to win a million dollars this week. Like we don't know, and no one knows because that's how the Chiefs have been the entire year. When you're thinking about making the argument for these guys. Juju is going to be on the field the most, so that's fine. But he's been terrible. He hasn't done anything in the box score. MVS is out there doing wind sprints, and he's played 50 or less percent of the snaps five of the last six weeks. We have an under on him in props this week. Kadarius Tony is awesome on a targets per route run basis. They're manufacturing touches for him, but he ran 12 routes last week. So, like, <laughs> it's just it's so hard to figure out. And now you, th- you, you know, bring back in someone like Amiko Hardman. Justin Watson's out there. Uh, running around it's just tough when Kelsey's taking up so much usage so my lean and this is crazy because I don't normally think this way because I want to bet against outliers my lean is if I'm going to play one like I think I like Canarius Tony at least he's earning targets and we know he's getting the football MVS literally has been going out there running a bunch of routes and getting two maybe three targets if he's lucky yeah they they signed him for 30 million dollars so they could he could prove that he can run (laughs) um yeah Tony 20 snaps last week, you mentioned eight opportunities. So you like the manufactured touches. It could also be a game where he gets, you know, three touches for 20 yards and who knows. Uh, On FanDuel, I do like MVS. He's mispriced there relative to what he can do. So I don't mind that at all. Um, Also, it was kind of fun uh, looking through the conference championship games last couple years. Did you remember that MVS went for 24 and a half DK points two years ago with the Packers? He probably caught a, a long touchdown or two, right? Yeah, he was rostered just twelve point six percent. So okay. uh, that that was you know everybody's playing Devonte Adams, um, and he was fine at twenty one point seven. Uh, Cooper Cup last year went for forty points. He was freaking awesome. Um, yeah, I don't. I just think that if you're playing Mahomes, you're gonna stack him with Kelsey, and Kelsey the last two years balled out thirty five plus points in both games. And you're finding out who the ancillary piece is. Is it Jarek McKinnon or is it MVS or Justin Watson? Those are the only guys getting deep targets. I can at least say that. I don't know if they're efficient. I don't know if they're going to catch them. But you could see a deep target happen there. So in a tournament, I don't mind MVS on, on FanDuel. I'm pretty low on Juju. I don't care about a median outcome because of the other wide receivers on the slate that I know can outdo him. Like A.J. Brown, 
Debo Samuel, Jamar Chase, like, I guess 4,700 is pretty cheap. Like, if you got five for 40 from Juju, would that do it for you? I mean, it's crazy to say, but it might be okay on the slate because it's so small. So, I mean, I'm going to use roster percentages to help me. Like, right now I have, looking at DraftKings, I've got Juju project, projected for about 35% and Kudayas Tony at 21%. I'd rather play Tony at 21 than Juju at 35, personally. Yeah, you save $1,000. I think it's the right call. Let's finish off by just mentioning why Kelsey is just unbelievable. He's... He's the wide receiver one on this slate. We need like he's the top pass catcher on on DraftKings. He's only $100 behind Jamar Chase's FanDuel. You need to think of him that way. He's being targeted on 26% of his routes this year, which leads all wide receivers and tight ends on the slate, and he's converting 68% of his receptions into first downs. So fading Travis Kelsey is not the smartest thing you could do, but in a large field, there is merit to saying this guy's not going to get there. The other tight ends do. I mean, Goddard, Goddard could give you 70% of what Kelsey can do. Like Goddard can get you 18 plus points or something, but I just can't get on this podcast and say fade Travis Kelsey. I can't. <laughs> no, it would be absolutely terrifying. But like I said, you're picking between a couple of these studs and one of them is going to fail. And so if you're playing multiple lineups, you know, think about that obviously from what you're doing as far as your exposures. And I'm not going to play Kelsey in every lineup. But my goodness, how can you not play a bunch of him after what we saw last week? Just every target felt like it was going to Kelsey. And when you consider the chemistry those two guys have, Mahomes and Kelsey, and the injury to Mahomes, if he's not able to really kind of get out of the pocket and scramble and create these like, you know, highlight real plays, if he has to have these quick hitters, could you not see 10 catches for Travis Kelsey with these short crossers, hitch routes, stuff like that? Like, I could see that for sure if they want to game plan that way. So. Yeah, it's. I'm not going to say anything negative about Travis Kelsey, except for if you fade him, you'll have a lot of leverage on the field. I'll say something negative. Last week, he got to 98 yards. Buddy, get two more. <laughs> Come <Slack>. on, man. <laughs> oh, man. I was not that he Travis. wasn't good enough without it, though. I know. Uh, Kelsey last year, his salary was 6,500. What a time like, to be alive. It was, it was a great time. Um, so, any last thoughts on this game? I just... I leaning more into bro stacks than Mahomes stacks, but I don't think you can go wrong. Um, and then it's saying like, okay, what are you going to do if you don't play Kelsey? Um, if you're getting different from there, like let's say you're not playing Kelsey, just thinking of roster percentages. Like I think Kelsey could be forty five percent. Yep, I've got him at uh, on DraftKings at forty three, and right now in Fanduel we've got him at forty. Yeah, and just thinking about him as a flex, like it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up near 50, just yep, when you add in everything else. Uh, yeah. If you're going to fade Kelsey, then you don't have to get as crazy with the rest of your lineup just because he you're gaining so much leverage. But my Vegas pick is just taking KC money line, especially when, if it's at plus 100. This is tough, man. I've gone back and forth, but I think I lean the Bengals. I think I lean the Bengals here. They've just been on such a streak. I mean, and they've been performing against the spread like crazy. So am I going to bet against Joe Burrow when he's on this streak? No, I am not. I am totally going to bet against Joe Burrow. Been doing it for are. years. Works on it, working out great. <laughs> uh, I can't remember if I've told this story before, but one of my friends back home, shout out to Sam is a huge Joe Burrow truther. Just loves him, loves everything about his style. And I have maybe gone on this podcast or other podcasts and said, that is not my style. 
Dude thinks he's the coolest in the room. And now I'm starting to admit like, okay, maybe he is the coolest in the room, but that's not my style. So last year before the playoffs, my friend who was so bullish, she goes, I bet the Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl. And I said, oh, I'm taking that bet before, before the first round. And I said, all right, how about this? You know, we'll put 20 bucks on. He goes, oh, no, no, no. If, if I'm taking this bet and it's $20, I want 10x whatever I'm doing. I said, all right, this will be the easiest $20 ever. <laughs> I sweated that thing out all the way to the Super Bowl. I was terrified. All the way to the last Aaron Donald sack? Yes. Basically, the whole time I was like, I bet against this man and he has just proven it to me. So then I, I played it so cool. It's like 20 bucks. Pay up, man. It was, <laughs> that was it. All right, uh, before we move on to a little bit of props and mailbag, we're going to finish with a the little segment called Slate Breakers, and I don't even have a sponsor. I don't even care because I'm literally doing the exact same thing I did last week. Last week, I got on this podcast, and I said, A.J. Brown is going to break the slate. I'm back. We're back, baby. Arthur Jawan Brown, what could go wrong? On the season, A.J. Brown, he's seen a whopping 50% of the team's end zone targets. That's the highest in the league. He leads all pass catchers on the slate in yards per route run. Okay? And I expect the Eagles to throw early and often. We talked about that earlier. He set career highs in receiving yards, touchdowns, and receiving yards over expectation on vertical routes when he was the main target. And the 49ers allowed the fifth most uh, yards on vertical routes this year. So, that's per next-gen stats. I think A.J. Brown who is priced up, right? He's the wide receiver two in pricing. I think it's easier for people to play chase, move down to Smith or move down to cheaper routes. I think I'm going to prioritize him and be overweight the field. And I'll go down with the ship if it's AJ Brown. I like it. I think it's a great call. We talked about having confidence in just the overall passing attack from Philly. And so you have to like AJ Brown for that reason. And just to point it out too, like the stat line San Francisco has given up in their last five games. CeeDee Lamb, 117 yards. DK Metcalf, 136 and 2. AJ Green, 91 yards and a touchdown. Devonta hey, Adams, 150 buddy. and 2. And both Washington guys got there, McLaurin and Dotson. So someone on Philly is going to pop up. I love betting on AJ Brown. While you were talking, you mentioned kind of the aggressiveness in the first half and deep targets. AJ Brown, first touchdown on, uh, on points bet is plus 1,000. It is plus really? 800 on other bets or on other books. So might be worth a little sprinkle. What do you think? I, I, I'm running there right now to burn up my money. Okay, perfect. Love that. And by the way, those are the hardest markets to get right. So don't take our advice, but just for fun, if you want to have a little sweat, that's a, that's a good one. I am going to also stick with the wide receiver. He's going to be chalky. I don't care. I'm going to go with Jamar Chase for my uh, slate breaker. If I'm picking between Travis Kelsey and Jamar Chase, this is crazy. I'm playing Jamar Chase at 7,600 on DK. Kansas City, 31st in DVOA against wide receiver ones this year. And the separation between he and T. Higgins over the last month has been growing wider and wider and wider. His target counts are 8, 12, 13, 11, 13, 15, and 8 since he came back in the lineup from his hip injury. Whether or not KC can scheme up plays to take away the deep ball, they're going to get him involved. We saw it last year in the playoffs. Jet sweeps, screens, slants. To get the ball in Jamar Chase's hands, good things are going to happen. Absolutely love him on the slate. I will be overweight the field despite the fact that he is going to be Probably the most popular play on the slate. All right, I'm going to break protocol here, and I'm going to make up a new category. I need to hear your sneaky sneak of the week, and that's <laughs> that is that was the awesome. Play- I know I liked it. <laughs> um, I need a player that's just like, hey, 
I'm taking my shot. It's a dart throw, but somebody that's lower. So I'm going to say mine is the MVS Justin Watson duo. One of those two, I think, can catch a long touchdown. That's my sneaky sneak of the week. Sneaky sneak. I like it. We kind of already talked about mine. I actually kind of like Samaje Piran. Not for the fact that he can break the slate by any means, but if Joe Mixon gives you 10 and Samaje Piran gives you 9, like... He's so cheap that I think he's a better play, right? So I think we'll catch a few balls. Kansas City's allowed a ton of receptions to running backs. That's what this is all about. I don't care what he does on the ground. I just want him to catch three, four, five passes in this game. Gosh, I already have a, a sponsor lined up for that segment. For the sneaky sneak? Yeah, uh, it's it works on a couple le- levels. Skechers Sneakers, you know? I, I knew it was going to be a sneaker company. It had to be. <laughs> but it's Sketch, man. Sneaky Sneak. Super sneaky. sketchy. I, you know what the official shoe of pickleball, uh, pickleball association is? It's got to be Skechers, isn't it? It's Skechers. I was really sad. I was like, oh is. god, this is the worst. All right, uh, let's prop it up. Prop it like it's hot. If you want to get all of our props, you can get them in the DFS Pass, DFSPass.com, and Betts gets to alert the lovely people in our Discord channel and says, "Hey, this is live. Take it." And then the people hammer that. And we move the lines. Uh, nothing better than moving the lines. I will take, since we're so bullish on the Eagles passing game, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but Jalen Hurts, over 32.5 pass attempts over the last five games, 39, 31, 37, 35, and last week, 24, because they were killing the Giants. I'm really glad that we were just all over the Eagles, too. Like I, I was feeling pretty good about Eagles, minus 8.5 or whatever it was, but... San Francisco is facing the third highest pass rate, the seventh highest pass rate over expectation. I think you can lean into the passing game, and I think they'll do it early. So Jalen Hurts, over 32.5 pass attempts. I like it. We wrote it up at 31.5, and and it is obviously moved. So very much a fan of that one. I think we see a ton of passing attempts from Hurts. This one that I'm going to give is scary. I'm going to take Christian McCaffrey under his rushing yards. And when How we wrote it up, dare you. we got it at 64 and a half. It was also on like underdog pick them at 65 and a half prize pick 65 and a half. But officially now it's a 62 and a half. I still like the under there. It's not that I don't think McCaffrey is a good play because I think he can catch passes on this slate, which is what you need. We talked about the Philly run defense improving over the last five, six weeks. But when you're looking at the games, when Elijah Mitchell has been in the lineup and this could go south <laughs> if Elijah Mitchell doesn't play, but I think he will. And so the reality here is just the fact that in the games that they play, he isn't really getting a ton of volume in terms of carries. He's been under the mark in five or six games with Elijah Mitchell. The only time he went over was against the Seahawks, and he had to rip off like that 65-yard run to get there. So I'll take the under on the rushing yards. doesn't mean he's a bad DFS play. I just think we're going to see more probably receiving work from McCaffrey here than rushing. Uh, let's hop in the mailbag. mailbag if you want to keep the questions rolling the best place to do it is in our discord channel you can always ask those people night and day some people i feel like they don't sleep they just live for the dfs channel and i'm happy when i go into work and i get to hop in there and see hey people are talking they're talking about the slate they're talking today they were talking about golf dfs which i know that you are a uh just you know a champion a guru of sorts when it comes to golf dfs bets I love golf DFS. It's very hard to win because there's so much variance, but it's a, a ton of fun. I, it's one of those sports where I wish, but we're almost transitioning into NBA DFS season where Betts and I won't lie. We'll throw out some stuff in our channel. We'll dabble. 
Yeah, but, but football's a bread and butter. This first question is from DM310 from Discord. How do you think the field will approach Mahomes this week? And what are you going to do based on this? So I pulled our roster percentages that'll be live in DraftKings, and Mahomes is going to be the third most popular quarterback, but I think he's going to come in, I don't know, 18 to 22%, somewhere in that range, where it's fine. And when you look back, like there's games where Mahomes doesn't get the volume that you think. Like when these two teams played earlier in the year, he had 27 pass attempts. Like that's not enough to compete with Joe Burrow and the legs of Jalen Hurts. So my approach is if the field's going to be low on him, then I think you can play him in a tournament. But I think I can soak up the production in Jarek McKinnon and Travis Kelsey. And I'd rather just place my bets with Burrow and Hurts. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that that roster percentage seems about right. And I'll probably match it relative to the field. I don't have a strong lean. And when you're thinking about the way these guys can score points and win and separate, you mentioned the rushing with Jalen Hurts. Obviously, no one can touch his ceiling from a rushing standpoint at the running back or the quarterback position on the slate. But we didn't even talk about this Joe Burrow. Um, Very quietly, only the Lions allowed more rushing yards to quarterbacks uh, from week nine on after the Chiefs bye week. So Joe Burrow, I think, can run the football. We saw him have his best rushing game of the year, 11-46-1 against these Chiefs earlier this year. So when you're thinking about the argument for Mahomes is obviously always efficiency, pass volume, they're so good. But we keep saying in the playoffs, Mahomes runs the football. I don't think we're going to see the extra you know, 25, 30, 35 yards that maybe we could have gotten from Mahomes in a normal game. So I'm with you that I think it's probably right that he's the third most rostered play. Next question from Baba Ganoush. Been really struggling the last... Uh, the past few weeks feels like the good plays haven't been panning out. You ever play a fully contrarian lineup to hedge. And I was, I was thinking back, okay, like who were the really good plays last week? We talked about CMC is like, okay, why did they price him here? And you know, he got banged up and the game went a little different and it hit the under. Um, there was other plays that we really liked, especially the bills where it's just like, Hey, you know what? Like just didn't work out the way we wanted to. And the snow was there, and Josh Allen was getting pressured. So it's tough when really good plays from a points per dollar don't work out. But when you say a fully contrarian lineup to hedge, I think you're missing out on what we say by contrarian because chalk is chalk, and it's good sometimes for a reason. Like Travis Kelsey can blow away every every he could blow away every non quarterback play on the slate. He could blow away the quarterbacks too. It's totally possible. So. We're not saying get totally contrarian and have like six contrarian pieces in your lineup. You don't want that at all. You will get buried based on raw points. But yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Like it can be easy to swing on the pendulum of like, hey, this didn't work. So I'm going to try something different. And that's tough because there are weeks where it seems like the chalk just smashes and you're like, oh, well, duh, I should have just played the best plays. And then there's weeks where the best plays are terrible and, you know, contrarian players have a really good week. And that's part of the weekly grind and kind of struggle with DFS is that it's hard to predict those weeks. Sometimes you can tell when the chalk feels a little more fragile, but on a two game slate, I would be absolutely shocked if one of McCaffrey, Kelsey, AJ Brown, or um, Jamar Chase are not in the optimal lineup. So again, don't get super, super weird. But again, I think on a two game slate, you have to get some contrarian plays in there. Otherwise there's just so much roster percentage. You're not separating. So I think this is a good slate to, kind of mix and match some good chalk and get off the board a little bit. 
it's also hard because you can start to think super, you know, binary. Okay, what? Well, A.J. Brown, well, the leverage off of him is to play Devonta Smith or, you know, Jamar Chase. Leverage off of him is to play T. Higgins. Those two could easily end up in the same lineup, like the, those teammates, where you don't just have to build and say, well, if all those lineups that have A.J. Brown don't have Devonta Smith, like, people are going to be double stacking. And they're going to have both those players in them. So don't think you're getting too cute with only four teams on the board. Uh, it's embracing the variance and also figuring out using our roster percentage report. How can I gain some leverage? But there will be duplicated lineups. Okay, so I, I, I get this message every week from people. How did this other person have my lineup? And, and I just laugh every time. Like, you know, there's not many teams left. Like, it's it's very clear that this can happen. So, uh You'll be able to figure it out. You'll be fine. But yeah, get weird. I'm fine with getting weird this 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 time. Like, you got to. La- last year, you know who we were talking about? I, l- I listened back to our pod. Oh, did we, you? We were talking about, and this week and the following week, we talked about Kendall Blanton for like 10 minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> what a time to be alive. Kendall Blanton was the dude, huh? Dude, he That's was fun. a good play. He was a good play <laughs> in the conference championship and then wasn't so great, I think, in the... Um, I can't remember actually what it was in the Super Bowl. All right, two more questions here. K Webb from Discord. What's the best way to hedge my playoff best ball team? I need a Chiefs Niners Super Bowl to have a chance. Seems pretty simple. It seems like you lean into Jalen Hurts and the passing options in Philly, and you are heavy on the Bengals. It seems like a very clear uh, way to go, and that's kind of how I want to build it anyway. So that's what I like. I, I love these kind of questions because I feel like our listeners understand the levity and the kind of the jokiness of like what DFS and the way that we talk about stuff is like, you know, we're, we're huge critics of ourselves. And so like, sometimes I try to figure out like, okay, how can I make sure my pain is like hedged here? And so what am I going to do? I'm going to place, you know, uh, right now a, a bet on uh, Jalen hurts to be super bowl MVP. They just stuff like that. You're just saying, you know what, if this completely goes wrong for best ball, here's what I have alive right now. So love it. You can totally do it. Last question from Dragon Nine: What's your preferred contest type with just two games, single entry, three max, or ten max? Yeah, this one we kind of talked about a little bit. I really want to embrace that MME, you know, GPP kind of uh, approach. I'll probably play a lot of twenty max. I haven't decided if I'm going to go full one hundred and fifty. It just depends on what my day looks like on Sunday. But I'm going to play a bunch of twenty maxes for sure and really get into those tournaments. Yeah, it kind of comes down to me like how my weekend's going to end up with the family. I will definitely do some 20 maxes. I think that we will have some fun tournaments for us in our DraftKings league, but 150, I, when I was younger, a much younger man, then I think uh, I was able to do that. But kids, man, kids kids in 150, they don't really go together. Gosh, they sure don't. <laughs> this is so true. It, you need to tell that to, to Monica. Just say, hey, I can't help with the twins tonight. I'm building, I'm hand building 150 lineups. And I got a late swap, all of them. <laughs> Jeez. All <laughs> right, if you want to play, well. Yeah. If you want to play with us, go to ballersdfs.com. You can play our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers, DFS, Bork Plus Bets. We'll open some fun contests and even more as we get closer to the Super Bowl. So play with us at ballersdfs.com. Bets, sign us off. What a weekend ahead of us. Flagless fly. Please, 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 please make it to the Super Bowl. We're back next week to give an early preview of that game. Enjoy the game this weekend. Should be a ton of fun. We'll catch you next week.
Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.